girl to the Lord while we were just, uh, she just looked a little forlorn. I began to speak to her and um, I asked her if she knew the Lord and she said, no, I, I've never been saved. I said, well, you can, she said, I want to go to a church and get, I said, no, you can get saved right now. Amen. Right now. So it's just so easy. You know, just stay open to God. Just say, God, use me. Amen. Be willing. Amen. Lose yourself in God and he will use you. But we will we'll, we'll, uh, pray for you at the altar call if you want to um, be a, have the impartation uh, for a healing anointing. By the laying on of hands. Now you got to go find your own sick people, okay? We ain't going to supply everything. Start with yourself. Start with the goldfish. Start with the dog. Start with the cat. Praise God. And so, you know, just begin. Uh, extend your hands in mercy and compassion. If you want to help people, God wants to use you. Amen. Sometimes if you don't want to help people, God will use you. <laughs> Brother Oral Roberts gave the testimony about uh, he would tire himself terribly when he would have his healing services and he was leaving. You know, everybody else was gone, so they thought it was safe for him to leave. And some lady was hiding in a parking lot and jumped up and said, I didn't get a chance to come to the altar. Can you pray for me? And he said he was upset because he was tired and he wanted to go home and hear somebody breaking rank. Uh, and so uh, he laid hands on her and God healed her. But because he was angry, God said, I healed her, but you're not going to get credit for it. Amen. But God will use you. If you're anointed, he will use you. Uh, but you want to be used the right way. You want to bring him full glory. Amen. So praise God. So today we're going to talk about your healing guarantee. Your healing guarantee. Your healing guarantee. God is not promising on a maybe. He is promising for sure. Amen. When he says something, his word is fixed because he's holy. He does not change his mind. So it's not true that you could start pursuing healing and health and then God say, well, I changed my mind. It's not for you anymore. Once he decrees a thing, it's there. It's set. He could no more break his word to you about healing or paying your bills or something like that. Then he could break his word about the sun coming up every morning and going down at sunset. Amen. So his word, all of his word, is valid and sure. So just as sure as the sun comes up every day and goes down every night, God will keep his word to you. Amen. God is looking for people who will believe him. That is the one stipulation involved in everything that God does. We must believe. And when we say believe, that means that belief will be tested. Amen. So you got to get a test and a grade. <laughs> God is just like school. We have to pass the test of God in order to receive. Now, that may sound mean to some people or worldly or whatever, but you need to know what your faith can do. It's, it's not right for you not to know what your faith can do. Amen. You may think you don't need to know, but you do need to know. Amen. You need to know what your faith is capable of bringing into your life. 
Why? There are people that God has assigned to you to pray for them, namely mostly family members. But then there are others involved in your prayer life. If you take up prayer as a ministry, there will be people you don't even know and won't ever meet that that will receive benefit of your prayer. There are people on lists. We have, if you see these posters, some of those posters are over 20, 25 years old. They look it, don't they? But we continue to pray for people because we, our job is not to quit. Amen. You don't quit once you start something because God doesn't quit. And so when you think about it, God must be able to guarantee certain things so that we can have a surety you need to have an assurance on the inside of you you can't be wavering and teetering and tottering and and unsure and you know pressing into god one day and then the next day you don't want to talk to god you don't want to say anything you won't don't want to believe him you want to believe god consistently throughout your life all the days of your life it's called building relationship amen it's just like you as parents if you you know you don't want your kids to just come around when they want something you know if you've got adult children you don't want them just showing up when they're broke or showing up for this or that what kind of love is that amen and so God wants us to have consistent relationship with him. Amen. Your consistent relationship with God will pay you big time in your life. That That's the one thing that you can do. Time devoted to God is time spent excellently, if I can say it that well. It, you'll, never, you'll never regret having spent time with God. Got me? If you do, it's the devil's lying to you. You know, I know there are preachers that say, well, you know, I spent all those years traveling the world. Well, you get your reward for it. You got me? Don't ever have regrets where God's concerned. Amen? In fact, it's good to live a regret-free life. Your sins are forgiven. You don't have to regret anything. Well, some people heard it. I don't care. But it's on that basis that you can claim divine health and healing, that your sins are forgiven. Amen. So you have to, why waste your time regretting? Paul said, don't regret, forget. Hey. Huh? He said, forgetting what's behind. Hmm? The good, the bad, the ugly, and the purdy. Huh? So forget it all and keep pressing toward there's more to come. In other words, that's what the Bible is trying. There is more to come. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is always yet to come. It's always on the horizon. So the blood of Jesus is your guarantee of all covenant promises and blessings. Everything that you are believing God for. You can receive it on the basis of your faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the atonement. Why? Because that blood paid for everything wrong in your life to turn out right now. Amen. So it replaces the wrong with the right. The Bible says that we are uh, have received our covenant includes an oath and a promise. Amen. So it's. Just not promises. Promises are really nothing but words that don't have much impact if there's not something on the table 
as a token to prove that that word will come to pass. It's like if I tell if I tell Chuck I want to buy a book. I say, hold this book for me. I'm going to give you a deposit. And I'll come back for the book when when I pay the balance off. Well, that's what Jesus' blood was. It was a token for future payment of all things that that blood stands for. Amen? So you have your down payment. The Holy Spirit is your surety. You know, he's the one holding the note. So he lives inside of you, and he is your guarantee. Every time you lift your hands and you sense his, <laughs> that's the, oh, Jesus, you guaranteed it to me. That's, whenever you sense the presence of the Holy Spirit, wherever he gives you the inner witness, that is evidence. That's your faith evidence that what you are believing for is guaranteed to you. Amen. The Bible says he is the Holy Spirit of promise. He is the surety for your your covenant. Amen. So the, the surety is the person that holds the bond. He's the guarantee person that makes sure your promises go show up. I know everybody in here that either dealt with a bail bond. Everybody's seen Dog the Bounty Hunter, right? what dog does is he puts his money down saying that that rascal ain't no good stole his stole his grandmother's dentures and pawned them but 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 uh dog is saying i'm putting my money down and i guarantee you he's gonna show up in court amen well the holy spirit is your dog the bounty hunter he guarantees that your promise will show up. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care what you go through. Just like they have to go and hunt them guys down sometimes. God will hunt you down just to give you what he promised you because he can't deny himself. You ever see people quit coming to church mad at all the saints? They ain't doing nothing over there. And then 10 years later they slink back and crept back in. The hounds of heaven been loosed on them. Amen. The Holy Spirit will loose the hounds of heaven on people to dog them and find them so that they can come back to where they belong. That's when Jesus said, I saved to the other uttermost. That's the uttermost, honey. He will chase you to the uttermost parts of the earth to find you and bring you back into the house of God. Not only that, but all your stuff will be waiting for you when you get there. All that stuff you prayed for, all that stuff he promised you is all going to be right there. Huh? Remember the prodigal? He said, give my money. Give me my money. The part of the inheritance that was coming to him. See, problem number one with the dad, he never should have told that little rascal he's getting anything. No, I'm broke. What bank account? I ain't got no money. Money for you? I ain't hardly got nothing for me. That's the story you tell him if you got good sense. Anyway, he takes all his. So really, he's cut out of the will now. 
See, if you get yours, that's all you got coming. He said, give me mine. I'm out of here. Well, in three months, his everything he had was gone. And so the Bible says when he, what? Came to himself. Woo! Those are precious words, honey. Lord, my kid is doing wrong. Let him come to himself. Amen. So he came to himself and he said, oh, Lord, I didn't spend all my money. I ain't got nothing coming. He said, well, let me see what I could do. Oh, yeah. My daddy got servants in the house. Maybe he'll take me back and treat me like one of the servants. Because I didn't spend everything. I got nothing coming. Huh? See, disobedience will make you feel like that. See, it'll make you feel like that. But what did the father do when he came in? He didn't treat him like a servant. He put the ring back on his finger. The ring signified his inheritance, folks. His ring signified, you mean, Daddy, you going to give me more money after I done spent up there? Oh, yeah. You can't break God. Your father is rich. He owes cattle. You can't break God. Huh? He will restore you. Everything that you squandered and wasted, he restores. Look at all the people that are, are, are in some kind of sexual sin and got STDs and worse, AIDS and stuff like that. You don't think God has a healthy body waiting for them when they come back into, when they come into fellowship with him? Well, he does. He restores everything, folks. Now, now, don't be like the older brother. He didn't think he deserved nothing. I got mad. Don't get mad because God wants to restore. See, when he says he forgives you, he has no remembrance of your sin. In order for him to treat you like a servant, he would have to remember you did wrong. So he won't, he does not remember you. He can't treat you like anything other than his child with a full inheritance. And that goes for your physical condition. That goes for everything. So you have full restoration. You recover everything back. Because you didn't really spend it. The devil made you squander it. huh? And so God will forgive you. He knows we're just dust. He knows that boy was sitting up there looking all them years, wanting to get out of there, wanting to go. I can't wait till I get grown. Huh? those of us who are grown got news for you here's a news flash it ain't what you think it ain't what it's cracked up to be (laughs) and it ain't easy and it ain't fun all the time (laughs) you grown already and don't know it you're living in your parents house you think you ain't grown because of where you live I mean, I know that's a shock and a revelation to some people, but. And see, because your parents expect grown stuff out of you, you get mad. Mm-hmm. Go get a job, help pay some bills, start living in reality. So you think that's mean. I'm going to go get my own spot. Pay my. Mm-hmm. 
You'll be you'll be crying for mom and dad one day. Ooh, I sure wish I was still in the house. I'd have a one room to clean. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My little dirty room. <laughs> but God restores everything, folks. Everything that the enemy has stolen. Amen. He can make more. If God runs out, he can always make you more. So praise God. So Isaiah 53, if you'll turn there, it tells you about your guarantee for healing. Amen. 53 verse 1, it says, Who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it was, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. So many people saw Jesus and thought he was just a common thief hanging on the cross. But it says here, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That word surely is a guarantee word. Amen. When you see words like surely and you see words like verily. And then verily, verily. Sometimes it will say surely, surely. And that is drawing your attention to that specific phrase to let you know this is a guaranteed promise. Amen. It's a guaranteed promise. Surely he has carried our, borne our griefs. Everything that hurts you, he took it already. Amen. I know people want to send you to therapy and all this kind of stuff for, you know, but he took it already. Huh? If you can believe that, you'll spend less time taking pills, less time with the doctor, less time with the psychiatrist, less time. Huh? Listen, I had a nervous breakdown before I found the Lord. I went to, I had like five, twelve step in a couple seven step meetings a week. I was stepping everywhere. You got me? Just to get help for myself. And I did all my steps. I did all my this and all my that. But God was the one who had to finally heal me. I got healed through the word of God. Once I got my mind renewed and understood I was not a victim. huh? Because that stuff gets to be popular. You know the me too people out there now? Everybody's me too nowadays. Everybody wants to be included in the victim parade. Huh? When I was growing up as a teenager, I don't know about y'all, but little boys put their hands all over you all the time. You see, you punk, and you punched them and punched them out and all that kind of stuff. There's always doing girls like that. I wouldn't no more, you know, you <laughs> going like a I'd have to go, go to the graveyard to find some of the ones I went to school with. I'm going to go ahead and yeah, me too, Chuck. How are we going to meet too and they in the grave already? Talking about, huh? I'll be me too and at the funeral home. 
Nonsense. It's going to get your healing. Go find a problem with people they don't know anything about God and his power. Power to restore and power to heal. He's going to have to restore you from something anyway. Amen. Huh? Boys put their hands on you wrong or made you mad. You wait till you found them coming down the street by themselves. Punk. Put your hands on me, punk. Huh? No more me too. Me too did that. Me too beat him up and let him bleed on the streets. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oopsie. Let's go back to Isaiah 53. But you have a guarantee that he's taken all your pain away from you. He has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him. We saw him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was stricken of God. Amen. This was God's plan for his son to take the pain that the enemy wants to put on us in sickness. Take the pain of rejection and bad relationships and all that kind of stuff. Every single kind of pain that man is subject to, Jesus has already taken it for show. Amen. Surely, this is a guarantee. He has borne our sicknesses, carried our sins and pains. But he was wounded for what? It was, he was wounded for our breaking the law, for the broken law. Once that law's broken, somebody's got to pay with their blood for that. And so he was wounded not for his own, but for ours. That's how he could take the sin of the world. You don't have to everybody go out and find a substitute for them. The Bible says by one man, Adam, sin came into the world. And by one man, Jesus Christ, sin is we are redeemed from sin. So we are redeemed from the penalty or curse of the law. Sickness is part of the curse of the broken law. You see it in Deuteronomy chapter 28. We're not going through all that right now. But every single sickness known to man comes through the broken law. Well, I didn't do anything wrong. It doesn't matter. You were born into this. All people. And you lie anyway. The Bible says everybody sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You can try your best to be a good person. You won't do it outside of the power of God. It says he was bruised for our iniquity. So he was wounded for the law when we know we're doing wrong. huh? Then he was bruised also for our iniquities. You know what iniquity is? It's that inside of you that wants to go beat somebody up. Huh? It's that in desire on the inside of you. See, you can be forgiven for deeds, but what you going to do about future want-tos? He took care of that too. See, your future want-tos have been taken care of as well. So in other words, there's nothing the devil can get you on none of these bogus charges. Amen. They don't stick anymore. So the chastisement of our peace was upon him. So you can know intellectually that your sins are paid for. But living in the peace of it is something different. 
Huh? You ever, you ever really been tormented by the enemy because of something? You don't want to do it. And you didn't mean to do it. And you feel bad about it. And it won't go away. Well, Jesus had to pay for that make it go away thing too. Huh? Where it can be totally eradicated so that you can go on as though it never happened because spiritually it never did. Never happened. As far as God is concerned, it never happened. We need to pick up his attitude more. Amen. But for you to get peace because you are forgiven, Jesus had to pay for that too. Amen. He had to pay for that too. Chastisement. He was beaten and whipped until God got peace that the penalty was paid for you and for me. You got me? And so there's no more anger in God anymore for anything we do wrong. That should make us want to serve him all the more. See, people say stuff. Well, you shouldn't say that because people get get uh, free about they sin. They that, that people that anyway. Yeah, they didn't, you didn't wait for me to tell you that so you can get slap happy about doing wrong. Come on now. And that blood's not going to let you cheat it anyway. There's something about pure, shed, innocent blood. That if you try and make mockery out of that, you get even more guilt on you. So you learn how to come clean. You learn how to live right. You learn how to have respect for what Jesus did. You don't try and take it for granted. In fact, you're more scared to take it for granted after. You know, we're more cautious after we find the Lord than we were before. Of course, you should be. But you should be more more eager to partake of that grace of being forgiven forgiven than you ever were too. See, don't don't play don't play into this game of of oh the finished work, the finished work. You gotta know what that means for real. You gotta know what that means in your everyday living. You gotta know what that means so that you're not ashamed to confess your sins, go to somebody, apologize, admit you're wrong. That's what the finished work is all about. You have free access. You know you're going to make mistakes. And God is man. You choose to be made right before God again. You got me? None of this blanket forgiveness stuff. You teach you out of your peace. Teach you out of your real peace of mind. Amen? Real peace of mind. So, he carried our sorrows by his stripes we are healed it says in verse 5 the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed then it says this all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all so there's no body that doesn't need the shed blood of jesus in their life Everybody's sinned and gone astray, gone your own way. It doesn't say here you're a dirty dog, you're the worst person. See, the devil adds that. Huh? He'll get you to feeling bad, say, yeah, you dirty dog, you shouldn't have done that. Look at what you've done. They never forgive you. Huh? Don't do the add to. Just accept what God says. Like sheep, we wander around trying to find our own way and stumble into the wrong thing. Amen? 
It's true. People make mistakes every day. Not going out to make mistakes and not being willful in it, but wandering. Aimless, not don't have proper guidance in their life and make mistakes. And so that's the way God looks at us. That's why he freely forgives us the way he does. He, he's not looking at you as some death row person. You know what I'm saying. He just, you know what I'm saying. Don't add to and embellish on things. You know, this is everybody's sin and fallen short of the glory of God. So, so he says, in this, you have a guarantee, surely, surely. He's borne your sins, carried your sorrows. By his stripes we're healed. We have to fight the good fight of faith to establish our health and establish the promises in every situation. The fight of faith includes resisting the devil on all fronts. Several several things I wrote down that I, I know are common when you're talking about sickness and health. Number one, the devil will try to put on you fear of illness and fear of death. If you're saved, you should not fear either one. Huh? But we find ourselves being scared. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I can stand here now because I'm feeling pretty good. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, sometimes you get some stuff and it don't move right away. And I was telling Pastor Shirley, I said, you know what? I said, I woke up the other day. I said, my eyebrows walked off my face. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> you know, I, who told you to go somewhere? And now, see, people get upset about stuff like that. It's like you marched off. You better march back up there. Jesus name I'm not putting up with this from you eyebrows huh? <laughs> you know some people go running to the doctor what's this and what's that I don't care what I'll need it what it is is it's coming back it ain't gonna stay gone huh <laughs> you know you try to put a little line up there with your Looking under your glasses, I can't see. I gotta have my glasses. I can't do that either. Whatever, huh? But you're coming back in Jesus' name. You're not gonna stay gone forever. Amen. So fear of illness and fear of death, symptoms and diagnoses. Those are the things you have to fight. You have to fight attacks on your body. You notice I say attacks. I'm not saying anything about uh, sickness that you, you know, your daddy had it, your mama had it. It's skipping me. huh? It's going someplace else. Make it skip. You have to fight doubt that God's word is true. And you must doubt faith in natural situations over faith in God. You spend too much time in your carnal mind and then you try to flip over. And start confessing healing. Man, you have to get yourself in a position where the word is nigh you. It's even in your mouth and in your heart. Amen. That is the word of faith that we speak. Once we identify areas of attack on our souls and bodies, we must resist. You must come away from the world. 
And when I talk about fasting, that's what I like to talk about, is getting away from worldly influences. I don't care what they are. Sometimes you think, of, well, yeah, well, that's just a little Dr. Oz. Do you know what that man pushes? He's not pushing God in divine health. And pretty soon, Dr. Oz ain't going to be able to help you. Huh? He's got some of the richest, richest patients in the world, but they all go, they all going back to dust because Dr. Oz can't stop that. Amen. And so we have to understand that, you know, sometimes people think, well, I'm just getting, getting information on my health. We just gave you some. Isaiah 53. So turn off the TV. Huh? Oh, and they got these new flip or flop people. You gonna flop right over there in the in the graveyard if you don't get you some word in you, huh? And then people gonna be divorced before they even get get to the end of the the session. People can't stand prosperity. Some of them it ruins them. You can see it. You, if nothing else, reality television ought to prove that to you. You don't, you don't need that. You need to get in your word. You start fighting the good fight of faith. You fight symptoms. You fight uh, uh, inheritance, all that kind of stuff. You need to fast from the world. Don't have the world's influence in there. Amen? You have to guard your heart. Don't let somebody call you. And tell you the last bad news they heard about some preacher. You got me? You guard your heart. You don't need that being fed into you. Amen. And confess only the word. Only the word. If you have symptoms, you know they're there. So why you got to talk about them? Not throwing no shade now, but I mean, it's there. You can see it. Why talk about it? A lot of times, you know, we we human beings are funny. Sometimes we like attention more than we like health. We're accustomed to keeping people entertained and amused with all of the bad news about our lives. Huh? That's true. Well, you outdo each other. You know. Somebody will say, Well, you know, I wasn't feeling to go, Oh, you should hear what happened. Now. And they take the conversation and run off with it. It's okay. Well, let's hear about you then. I'll be healed and you can go on and There are certain things that will interfere with this guarantee. Doubt is the biggest culprit. Mark 11.23 says, if you do not doubt, you can have what you say. If you will say only what faith in your heart says, you will receive the benefit of that faith. Well, first of all, you have to believe in your heart what the Bible says. And that might take a little doing. 
You might have to listen to the word, feed on the word, pick up your scriptures, read your Bible, blow the dust off, do whatever you have to do. But get that word hidden in your heart. Whatever it takes, that's what you do. Lillian Yeomans was a a turn-of-the-century physician who was uh, actually a morphine addict. She was a physician, but she was pressured in her life. Her mother was a physician as well, but that didn't help just because it's two women doctors. There's a lot of pressure against women back in the day, be at home, cook, clean, whatever. She wasn't married. Her mother was and had a family, but her mother handled it differently than she did. When it came Lillian's time to be a physician, she she worked herself into a, a frazzle, and she took morphine, gave herself injections. And she was dying of her addiction. She was taking so much, uh, her physician colleagues that tried to treat her just gave up on her and said, you're going to kill yourself like this. You keep this up. And she had heard about, I think it was, uh, I forget, Richie Price or somebody, some of them old timers, turn of the century people that had healing ministry, went to one of their meetings and heard the word and started to feed on the word of God and God healed her. Well, after that, she just gave up. Well, she'd lost her license anyway, you know, but after that, she never attempted to go back to practicing medicine. She decided to preach. And and they say that she could take terminal tuberculosis patients into her home. Now, you know that's scary in itself because those people cough up blood. They have active uh, viruses in their body and stuff like that. And so you can't really mess with a lot of that. She'd take them in. And they say this one woman came in on a Friday. And Dr. Yeomans uh, told her, she said, um, Uh, sickness has no power you are redeemed from the curse of sickness you're healed because you are redeemed from the curse of sickness sickness has no power over you she said do you believe that and the lady said yeah and so she said well go up to your room confess that to yourself every day every hour confess it as much as you can she checked on her the next morning she was still coughing up foamy blood that's because it's in your lungs bleed you you drown in your own blood with tb and she said the woman was still coughing up and she said on sunday morning the woman came down and told her i'm leaving said i'm healed i'm redeemed from the curse of sickness and dr yeoman said i told you that when you came in and the lady said i know and she walked right on out of the door you got me so there's a difference in faith and faith you can believe and then you can have faith that produces the result and so many times we stop with believing or what uh, people refer to as mental assent you agree in your head you nod in agreement I believe that and I think that's right, but it never goes any further than that. And so what we have to do is learn how to do what Proverbs 4.20 says. And it says, attend to my word, incline your ear to my sayings, let it not depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Because it's life to those that find them and health or medicine to all of their flesh. So if you keep 
focused on the word. You let the word be your meditation. Don't just grab a scripture. You know how we do. Somebody get up and quote a scripture when they preach and say, Amen, and sit back down like you heard it all. Yeah, y'all ain't fooling me. You know what I'm saying? I've done it too. You getting them jump up churches where everybody try to act like they know everything. Yeah, pastor, you, you say that, pastor. You shut up. And learn how to, <laughs> how, how you like them apples. Shut up and start learning something. See, you can't learn anything if you, your mind jumps like that. Church is not to show everybody what you know. This is a hospital, child, where the sick come. <laughs> so, you have to believe in your heart. And you can never have too much word in your heart. Amen. Amen. So you have to confess what's in your heart. You're either lying or you really believe what you're saying. My recommendation is even if you don't quite believe it yet or it doesn't quite produce what you want, keep saying it anyway. The more you hear it, the more you'll believe it. The more you hear it, the more it gets hidden in your heart. The more you believe it, the more you hear it. The more you hear it, the more you believe it. And so it's always good to keep that says, don't let it depart from your eyes. That means don't go off and start getting entertained with something else when you know you need to be healed. You know, you sit down and listen to the word real good for three or four days and then get up and go start. Don't do that. Stay with that word until you are 100% and then keep it up so you can stay 100%. It's walking away from the word that gets us involved in symptoms. So the devil will give you a lot of excuses to keep your faith from doing its job. Number one excuse is the doctor's report. If you can stay away and just deal with it as a small thing, Do yourself a favor because you are healed. God's not going to let you sit up at home and die because you're you're reaching out to him for your healing instead of going to the natural route. You got me? But everybody knows when they're too sick to sit up there and try to focus on the word. Just go to doctor and get it over with. But come back and get in your word because your word is going to heal you. Them pills won't continue to do what they're supposed to do for you. Amen. Or the side effects, you know, your ears might walk off your head or your eyelashes might be on the pillow beside you. Anything might happen. <laughs> the enemy keeps your faith from doing its job when symptoms begin to trouble you. Don't focus on how you feel. Trying to chase it down. Your biggest enemy is the word wonder. Wonder what that's about. Wonder what what that could be. Wonder, wonder, wonder. That's your enemy. Don't you ever use that word. You don't wonder. You need to go into the land of knowing. Huh? That by his stripes you are healed. You don't wonder, you know. Where is their certainty? It's in the word of God. It's not in trying to track down symptoms and see what they do. Huh? It's in the word of God. 
When you find out something's incurable, huh? That's when the devil can try to scare you out of believing God. Oh, this is so bad that you know that word, that word, that ta- that word, that take that word take years to do something for you. Everybody thinks God is slow. We're slow to believe. Faith is now, folks. Faith don't wait for nothing. Faith doesn't work. Wait, patience does. See, patience is part of the spirit of God. If you add that to your faith, you'll be alive to get your healing. Everybody thinks, oh, yeah, you know what? Well, I might as well come to the doctor. I can you know, get this Z packer. Well, then they ain't gonna work one day. Some of that stuff have you sitting up cross-eyed, looking stupid, and flushing, and turning. Look at the side effects. I was messing with Rachel the other last night. They were talking about some some pill you could take. They're always advertising pills now. And I said, and I she said, I said, or you can take it and be dead. And she said, Oh, Baba. I said, Yeah, I love bursting your little bubble, huh? Take all that stuff away from. We have God is life. Are you kidding? God, God is life. You put in a little bit of the word and see if you don't start your spirit don't start grabbing onto life and health for you. Brother uh, Copeland said he was called to to go over to a remote area. There's a gentleman that was uh, an apostle he was he had, had a, a a really productive ministry he is mentoring some pastors and he told brother copley he said well i think my days are over i mean he was in his 80s or something he said you know i've gotten an illness here and you know don't seem to be getting any better and i'm just wanting you to come over and continue to work with these men and and make sure they're where they need to be i think it's time for me to go home and be with the lord so Brother Copeland said, he said, well, it was an easy job. He said, the men were out doing their work. He said, they didn't really need me. He said, but every night the, the apostle uh, in charge of them and I would sit down, talk about what we did that day. He said, we would just sit and chat for hours about ministry and things of God and days, you know, we used to do this and do that and what God's done here and there. And he said, about the end of the week, the guy said, you know what, Brother Copeland, I don't think I'm going to die after all. He said, I think I'm going to live. Amen. See, keeping it in front of your eyes, hide it in your heart. All he needed to do was be stirred up again to what was lying dormant on the inside of him. If you make a decision one way, you can make it another one. You got me? You can, if you can, you can bless God and live, folks. Just stay in there. You can live. So, <clears throat> turn to Matthew chapter 9, I think we'll. Matthew 9. No, Mark chapter 5. I'll do. We're going to talk about the woman with the issue of blood a little bit. Miss Juana, how much time do I have? Oh my, I can. I could write a book. I won't, though. (laughs) Not that it wouldn't be good. Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 5. Matthew, Mark. These are my boyfriends. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Praise the Lord. Mark chapter 25. 
Mark, uh, Mark 5.25, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. It says, a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians yeah, and was not better. So this is, this is a, a, an example of somebody who could be healed, but the doctor's report is standing in her way. Yeah. Amen. So she's gotten bad news from the doctors. She keeps going. Now, she's been bleeding for 12 years. She keeps going to the doctor and does not get better, but gets worse. Now, there are people every day like that. They try this drug, it doesn't work. Try that one, it doesn't work. They try their best, but it doesn't work. And it says she didn't get better, but she kept getting worse. But she kept going anyway. She kept going because that was all she knew. Amen. You need to know something different as well. Amen. When you know the Lord, you don't just know what's available to you in the natural. You have a choice to make. You can make a choice. And so it says she didn't get better, but rather grew worse. Verse 26, when she had heard, this is what you need. You need to hear something different. You need to quit listening to what you've been listening to, especially if it hasn't helped you. You don't get better and you get worse. So she's somebody who's doing the best she can, but she has no hope in her situation. She's getting worse. When she had heard of Jesus, when she had heard, like you hear the word, she came in the press behind now she heard and she made a decision this is the difference between people who get something and people who just talk about what they believe they have this this divides the real from the fake so to speak because we can sit under the word and never make a decision about it it's what you decide once you hear. I'm going to say it again. See, this is, what, this is what separates people who come back with the miracle or come back with the goods from people who just sit and, oh, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm standing on the word. I'm believing God. I'm, I'm, or they'll confess a little bit of the word to see if they can blow your head up with what they know. Hmm? But you must make a decision. It has to be deciding in your heart. And she heard of Jesus. She said, you mean to tell me people are going up to this man and he touches them and they get healed? And I've spent all this money all these years not getting better but getting worse. But she could have stayed in that system. Nobody kicked her out. She didn't have a doctor. It doesn't say she had a doctor that said, don't come back no more. We can't do anything for you. She made that decision on her own. And see, it takes a lot of courage sometimes for people to leave the familiar, even when it's not helping them. To leave the familiar when it's not working. To leave the familiar when it's not satisfying. 
to leave the familiar when it's really hurting you and step out and trust God on his word. She could have still been going to doctors. She didn't have to decide. But something different. See, there's something different about what's in God's word. It's something different. It, there is a power on God's word. If you will let it work on you, if you let it sink in and you meditate on it for a minute and you make an effort to grab hold on it, there is a certain level of life in God's word that will make you leave the familiar and reach out to something you have know nothing about, something totally unfamiliar to you that's new and trust that if you if this is your chance, this is your chance. She needed to be looking for something else, but she couldn't go to the synagogue because she would have, they don't do, they wouldn't even let her in there. You know, if you had an issue, you were considered to be unclean. She couldn't even go in there and talk to the priest and see if there was something that she could do or some regimen or something like that. Besides, they didn't heal people anyway. Rip off churches. And they're more plentiful than, than we want to admit some, sometimes. Huh? You can go to the church where everybody goes and get you a good happy message, but if you got a broken home or you got trouble or you got sickness, you know, they don't have, oh, you can make an appointment. No, I don't need an appointment. I need to come to the altar like normal people do, like they did in Jesus' day. I need to come there and somebody pray for me, lay hands on me. So I need ministry. And so she heard about Jesus and she said, hmm, I think I might take a chance on this. I need to be done with the doctors because they will never be done with me. See, if you don't quit some things, they don't stop. Huh? You can't say, well, God, if you want me healed, do so and so. Uh, 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 uh. Faith don't work like that. You got the Holy Ghost living in you and you're going to fleece God all of a sudden if he wants you to. Come on now. You need to get in your word until you feel real good about that thing. Huh? Until you know. See, we all want to do it quick, fast, dirty. We want a shortcut. Put it all on God. And he's done everything. All. It's just surely he has borne your griefs, carried your sorrows. What else you want? It? What more you want him to do? Well, God, if you're going to heal me, give me a word. Isaiah 53. We gave that to you when we started. By his stripes you were healed. Huh? Stripes over 2,000 years ago. Huh? Actually he was slain before the foundation of the earth. People in the old covenant got healed. Huh? That God would give them some crazy stuff to do. He said if you walk in my ways, do what I tell you to do. No disease. I don't put no disease on you. And then they would start backbiting him. And snakes would come and start killing everybody. So he put a snake on, had Moses put a snake on a pole and say, look at that. In other words, look up and get scared of me instead of talking about me like I don't care about y'all. 
a diversion, in other words. Just something different to do. Sometimes we just need something different to do. To snap out of our nonsense. So that we can start believing God for things. He has so much for us. And see, while we sitting up trying to believe, decide if we want God to heal us, there's sick people all around us waiting for us to get it together so we can help them. Quit holding up the show. Huh? Get this show on the road. So she, she came up to Jesus because she made a decision. She said, I'm quitting these doctors. Huh? And she said to herself, now I can't go up to him because he's a holy man and I'm contaminated. So I think if I can just touch him and see if I can get that power to flow to me. She said, whatever it is that happens with them people that I see walking off well is done by contact. Huh? See, these secrets about how the anointing is transferred will get communicated to us if we read our Bible and read it with some intent. You know, I would do when I would get, I'd, I'd want to see people well and I'd get in the Bible. I said, now God, I'm not going to stop reading until I figure out how this happens. You've got to do that. And it's all, it's very obvious in the word when you see these things. Jesus, she sneaks up in the press behind him and he goes, who touched me? All these people pressing up and the disciples even say, master, all these people thronging to you and you say, who touched me? And they like, everybody touched you. Huh? Everybody in the crowd gets you. No. Wrong meeting, huh? But you know what? He, what they were observing was different from what he observed. See, Jesus is always in the spirit. He's always attentive to us. Anytime you want something from him, you come to him by faith and immediately his attention is snapped onto you. It's not like he's waiting on you to do something to prove to you how sincere, to him how sincere you are. The minute your faith is expressed, he responds to it. In fact, faith is so powerful. It is, it will, it's, it's on automatic release to us. Let me put it that way. Like God isn't sitting up there deciding if you got, I don't know about, I don't know about Nola today. She's half in, half out. I'm going to wait until she show me something before I send her. No, your faith is kind of like on automatic release there. I mean, the minute it meets God's standards, zoop. Why? Because he's already given it to you. You don't have to work and plead and beg and strive over anything. It's already given. So the faith of God does that. When you have the God kind of faith and you're looking to God to release something to you, it's pretty much an automatic done deal. So he says here, right here, um, where we've 26, 
She heard of Jesus came behind and oppressed and touched his garment because she said. One of these, uh, uh, <clears throat> one of the uh, examples says, she said within herself. You can say within and you can say without. It's very important what you say within. That's where your heart is. See, the spirit of faith, all she's doing is coming into agreement with the spirit of faith that's resident within her. When she heard the word, she mixed that word with her faith and she possessed it. That word gave her instruction on how to make it happen. Everybody has that ability within them. The Holy Spirit will give you instruction on how to make things happen. She said within herself, if I could just touch him, I don't even have to let nobody know I'm out here. I can touch him because she was supposed to be indoors. The reason she was going to physicians, because that's the down low. I mean, she was a Jewish woman. Her path to healing was guaranteed if she went through the priesthood. But they were so jacked up and crooked, she didn't know how to get in that system. Thank God she didn't know how to get in that system because then she got to get in faith. See, if you get in a religious system and get told that God won't do it for you, that tends to lock you in more than if you went to the world for something and find out they didn't know what they're doing. You can, how do you fight religion? How do Muslims fight their little Allah stuff that they do? They're so locked in through fear. Remember the boy that was born blind? And they, the, the Pharisees kept hounding him. He, they saw him out on the street and said, well, who healed you? How'd you get your sight? What happened to you? And the parents were so scared. They said, well, don't ask us. Ask him. He's old enough to tell you. Why did they do that? Because if they followed Jesus, they would get kicked out of the synagogue. So rather than get kicked out of your dead religion that ain't doing you no good, you just as soon hang on to it. That's why God didn't let her go to those priests. Because they'd have had her jacked up till now. Promising her, oh, hold on, let go. It's coming, it's coming. What did it say? It's get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Man, if you ain't ready by now, you ain't going to get ready. Just show me something. Once she made the decision to, to follow Jesus, you got me? The Holy Spirit took over from there. All you got to do is decide. Huh? I want that. Once you say you want that, the Holy Spirit takes over from there. It's his job. He brings it to pass. So he caused her to say within herself what she needed to do to release her faith so that she could receive the anointing. When faith meets the anointing, you get the result of the word. You got me? It's automatic. So her her faith had an appointment with the anointing that was on Jesus. And she kept that appointment. She came in the press behind 
And she said, if I can touch him, I will be made whole. That is a faith statement that she didn't say, I'm going to feel better. I might get something. She said, I will be made whole. That's the way faith talks. That's a surely, surely. Amen. That's a certainly, certainly. And anybody can say it. Instead of us always easing up on stuff and sneaking up behind you, healing, give me a little bit, the whole thing. Get the whole thing. The whole thing is there for you. Straight away, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she, when people are healed, they know it. Huh? When you're healed, you know it. You don't mistake that. If you're not healed yet, stay with it till you get it. It's coming. Don't quit. What you going to do, quit and feel sorry for yourself? Huh? That's all. Listen, she was this chick was probably out of money by now. She thought to herself, uh-uh, I'm going to get this over with. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue went out of him. He didn't release it. It went out of him. By her faith. Her faith put a demand on his healing virtue. He turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Everybody touched his clothes. But the touch of faith is different than the carnal touch. We all know that. Your spirit responds to the touch of faith. It's not a physical touch at all. His, her, his spirit responded to her spirit, which was full of faith. And his disciples said to him, you see the multitude, you're asking who touched me. And he looked around to see her that had done this thing. How do you know it was her? He saw her faith. He always sees faith when it's on display. Amen. And he said, but the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Now, why did he want to talk to her? Why did he want to talk to her? She needed to know what her faith could do. We all need to know. So this is more about knowing what your faith can do than necessarily results. Even though the results are good, but if you don't know your faith did it, pretty soon you'll go and start listening to the devil, go back to what you used to do, or go back to the dead church or the dumb church or no church at all. And the devil will steal it from you. He'll steal it from you watching Oprah if she was back on television. You know what I'm saying? All your favorite people has got a message for you to steal your faith. The real housewives will steal it from you. Huh? The Kardashians will steal it from you. Huh? <laughs> All them little things you do where you... Don't have your eyes on it, your ears on it. We'll steal it from you. My recommendation is stay with what, dance with the one that the guy that brought you to the dance. Huh? Don't just switch partners at will. Stay with what God has for you. Keep yourself in your, keep your nose in your Bible. 
Just say, God, I want to put myself on a program where I keep this. I don't want to lose it. And the Holy Spirit will help you learn how to walk in that continually. Uh, He'll do it. He'll do it. So that's the woman with the issue of blood. Her faith made her whole. Jesus sealed it. Surely, surely. Surely was when she got it. And the second surely was he reassured her. He told her how it happened. You need to know how stuff happens. We can't be ignorant running around here looking for a faith accident every five days so that we can feel better and not know anything. Those days are over. you got to know how stuff happens. Amen. So, Jesus. Uh, let me see. Here, okay, here's somebody who had a situation they were born with. In John 9, you see the boy who was born blind. We were just talking about him. And we'll finish up with him and, and we'll pray too. John 9. How much time is one? 12. Oh my goodness. I'm going to have to do this. Verse 1, Jesus passed by, saw a man which was blind from his birth. So that's no excuse for not for God not healing you. Amen. Oh, I've had this all my life. Disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, see, religious people just need to act invisible. Some. Just like pretend like they ain't there because they have nothing good to contribute to the whole conversation. Listen, faith doesn't go backwards. It goes forward. You got me? So we don't need to know your family history. We don't need to know your generational situation or how many curses, generational curses is in your family. And, huh? Do you have any Cherokee blood? Are you got any... Huh? Middle Eastern blood and you know, blood. No, you just need to know the blood of Jesus takes care. And so here he says, who, who was born, who, who sinned? They trying to pin some. See, religious people think they're, they're too sin conscious. They try to track down sin. Like that means something to God. If he already put his son to death for your sin, you think that means something for him to track down your sin for him? the only the only person it's relevant to is you is it standing between you and god if it is get rid of it confess it get rid of it and let's move on better things his blood speaks better things it speaks your righteousness it speaks your healing it speaks your let that blood start talking for you and get out of what you did wrong Jesus said nobody sinned. See, they all passed out like dominoes. (laughs) Oh, the Bible contradicts itself. No. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it ain't relevant here. The issue here is that God wants to get some glory out of this boy's sickness. That's the only, the only deal that's on the table is a healing deal. There's no condemnation anymore. You don't have to condemn yourself because of what you, oh yeah, you know, I lived a rough life out there. Hey, who didn't? Huh? But I'm not living it now. And I'm not stuck there. 
Huh? I'm the moved on up, Wheezy. Huh? He said, Jesus said, neither is this man sin nor his parents, but that the works of God. See, once you use your faith, your sin isn't relevant anymore. What's relevant is that the works of God get manifest in your life. Once you ask God's forgiveness and that's granted to you, then the only thing that's relevant is that we glorify God from this day forward. You stumble again, you can repent again, you confess again, but you keep going on to greater glory. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me while this day. In other words, I don't have time to go tracking down y'all sin. I only got time to work God's works and I have permission from the father to heal this kid. He said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. When he had thus, and this is what we need to, don't go chasing people's sin and wrongdoing down. We're the light of the world. As long as we're in the world, there's hope for humanity. Start praying for people. Start leading them to the Lord. Start telling them they need to repent and let's move on. Amen. You're the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And said to him, go wash in the pool. Now God does his part, but you got to put action to your faith. So Jesus gave him a specific action to do. Just like the prophet gave Naaman a specific action to do. Go wash. If you want to be clean, Jesus says, I dirtied you up. In order for you to get your sight, you got to go wash. you got to wash that off. How hard is faith? Just go do something simple. Well, Jesus, if you haven't put mud on my eyes, you go wash. You got to get in the act. You got to get involved. If this is going to help your life, you got to do something with your faith. He went his way and washed and came seeing. Simple instructions. So this was such a big thing. They said the neighbors, when they, and the neighbors therefore, and they which were before had seen him that he was blind, said, Isn't this the kid that used to beg? Some said no. Others said, Yeah, but he looks like him, but this ain't him. Well, who pays attention to, to a blind person to know what they look like? Therefore they said to him, How did your eyes get open? He said, a man that is called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, go wash in the pool. Now, see, some religious person sitting here in that is going to try to do it. Trust me. That was that was probably the thing to do in that little town. Everybody that, that didn't have something wrong with him had mud, nasty, hocking loogie mud on him. Huh? That's why they question you. How'd they do that? And their little religious brain is taking notes. What kind of spit was it? Was it like, huh? Right. Whatever. I mean, okay, I'm going to keep going. I was just trying to find where I was. Where am I not? (laughs) Okay, Lord have mercy. 
Then they said to him, where is he? They said, I don't know. Then they took him to the Pharisees. So this is all a religious bunch. This is the gossip to the pastor bunch in the church. Amen. We don't have any in ours. Uh, we shoot all the gossipers. I want to get my information from God. I don't get it from people. So it says here, uh, he, he says, uh, and they said, and where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought the Pharisees that knew he was blind, and, and it was a Sabbath day that Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees asked him how he received his sight, and he said, put clay on my eyes and wash, and I'm seeing. From the Pharisees, this isn't of God, because he doesn't keep the holy day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? So religious people stay confused. They believe one thing one day and one thing another day. If you're like that, get out of that. Just go to the word. Your out is to go believe the word and that's all you believe. If you can't make up your mind one day is this way, one day is the next way, go to the word. It will straighten you out. And then they said to the blind man, what do you say of him that opened your eyes? He said he's a prophet. But the Jews didn't believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight. Until they called his parents and asked him. And they said, "This is this your son? He said, was, who was born blind? He said, how is he seeing now? And the parents said, we don't know. He said, this is our son, but, you know, we know he was born blind. But how he's seeing now, we don't know. You ask him, he can speak for himself. He's old enough. These words spoke his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess Christ that he would be put out of the synagogue therefore now see whatever his parents get they stuck with it because they want the religion this boy wanted his eyes huh? you might be the only person in your church wanting to be healed God will see to it that you get it amen he says then again called they the blind man the man that was blind and said to him give God praise we know that this man was a sinner. He asked and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. He said, the only thing I know is I was blind. Now I can see y'all leave me alone. Amen. This is always your answer. I don't care. People, you'll go somewhere to a meeting and get healed. And they say, oh, you went over there to them watchmen? Huh? You went over there to them people? Huh? huh? What denomination are there? Who's their covering? Who's their covering? Huh? Your answer should be, you know what? I don't care what you say about them people. I've been in here for 20 years and nobody ever touched me and healed me. I know this. I was sick and I'm healed. I'm not going back to the doctor no more. I don't have to do any of that stuff anymore. God healed me. And see, that's all you need to know because only God can heal. You got me? The devil, if he, if the devil could heal you, who, he's too mean and, and deceitful to do it. You got me? He nullifies anything good he could do with his hatred. And so we can't depend on systems to do anything for us, but we can depend on the living God. So if you want to come up for prayer, I'm going to pray for you. Miss Juana, if you can start some music. And we will pray. Praise God. Praise God. Amen.
Praise God.